This is the Fatty Joe Show, coming to you from Casa de Carey, deep in the forests of Nutmegerville. This show is dedicated to exploring pathways to better health from a holistic perspective. In each episode, we will explore such topics as nutrition, mental and emotional health, fitness, and more. I'm Yogi, your host, and I became interested in studying health after conventional health dogma became damaging and led me to become massively overweight. Against modern convention, I went on a keto lifestyle and I lost over 300 pounds and gained a level of control on my personal health that I never had before. Now I'm on a journey to find out what is myth and what is truth in the ever convoluted world of what is considered healthy. Come join me on a journey of discovery as I look for a path to improve total health. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash the fatty joe show or patreon.com slash carrie brown. If you want to check out all of our social media links and recipes, head to carriebrown.com. Don't forget to leave a comment, like, and subscribe to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fatty Joe Show. It's been since the last episode, and we are coming from you from the Nutmegger Forest, deep in the heart of Carryville in Casa de Carry. And today we have a longtime friend of Carrie's, Eileen Ray. Eileen has a very interesting story where she basically um, upended the table on her life, changed everything around, went from corporate world into going with a trucker and then now as an author and a turn your life around coach and it's uh, doing some amazing things. So we're going to get into her story and this is really a cool story of taking a risk and having the mental mindset of getting out and doing something that maybe you're not comfortable with to to really change your world and get a new perspective. So uh, we're going to talk to her and about her six-month mental health day. So <laughs> hi, Eileen, how are you doing today? I am well. Thank you, Yogi. <laughs> that is a really good way to put it. I've never thought of it that way before, but that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Six-month <laughs> mental health day. <laughs> There you go. So you worked at Microsoft around the same time as Carrie did. And then you met one of us nefarious truckers and ended up on the road for six months. How did that work? Yeah, that was a little while down the road. Well, so I had done I had done online dating off and on for like 10 years. And I swore I would never do it again. But I had this kind of intuition, a nudge that I should try it just one more time. And within four hours of that, I spotted this person who looked like they were perfect for me. And it turned out he was, and it turned out that was my beloved Sunny D. Um, and there was nothing slow about it. <laughs> we, we moved in in a week. Uh, we got engaged in 22 days, you know, um, it, and um, it was what I can say about that is that um, I, I think that I was able to do that because he was a person I never thought I'd meet. And so when we met each other, it was right and we knew it and we were able to act on it. Um, it wasn't scary. That wasn't scary um, in terms of the unknown. It was scary because I knew 
And I knew my life mm. was going to change in some huge ways. And at our wedding ceremony, we were in the, this beautiful arboretum. And I looked out at one point and expected to see these beautiful flowers. I kid you not, I had this vision of a long highway with a yellow line down the middle. And I thought, I don't know where I'm going, but it's going to be the road trip of my life. About a few months before, um, he had said, you know, I, I think we should, with all of our talents, we should like do this like bohemian thing, you know, like you do all the things that you love and I'll do the things that I love and we'll like have this cool project, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, fringe vests and velvet skirts and VW vans. And I don't really have time to talk about this because I'm working 80 hours a week and it sounds great, but I don't have time to figure out how to plan that. It just turned out that it was too late for me to say no, because I'd already said yes to the whole thing in the first place by saying yes to him in the first place. So after our um, wedding ceremony, six months later, I went to him and said, hey, what do you think about me joining you on the truck? And he was all for that. And um, my, I decided that what I wanted to do was I wanted someplace, I, was, I lived in my family home of nearly 50 years in Seattle. So big attachments. And I wanted to be, I wanted it to be nothing like anything I knew. <laughs> so I picked out this tiny town in the high desert of Southern New Mexico. Got my wish. It's nothing like that. Nothing like Seattle at all. And, um, and I just rode shotgun with him for six months. I shipped all my stuff to a place I had never been to. And it was exactly what my soul needed. Um, as we were talking about earlier, there's really nothing else to do on a trek except be with yourself. Yeah. Um, and none of my credentials really had any currents on the road. So I had a real chance just to be with me. And that was where my writing started to really emerge. A lot of feelings started to emerge that needed to come out. And it's where I rediscovered my love of photography. That's how those six months worked out. Um, and there was a lot of evolution that came after that sort of forming that into, okay, how do I want to serve people with what I've learned? That's part of the trucker part. <laughs> yeah. Spent my own time on the road as, as most of the listeners know. And it's in some ways, uh, um, you uncomplicate your life as, as we said off the air. And in a lot of ways you make your life even more complicated, especially if you're coming from a corporate world. I imagine it had to be a bit of a culture shock when you got inside the truck. And how did you, you mentally handle this, this level of change? Oh, that's such a good question. So, okay, Yogi, and I know you'll get this. I think your listeners will get it too, because it's, it really is the little things. Okay. So I had been on some rides with him, and it, but it was kind of like a novelty because I knew I could, I'd be back in normal life. Right. When I did this, I was leaving, like up until that point, there'd always been a home base, for example. Um, so when he would go and come back, I'd always have like a fantastic meal waiting, like all of these great things. Now I'm on the road with him. Um, I can't get a cup of coffee on demand, for example. That's the first thing I noticed. And when I get to the place where there's coffee available, it is the worst coffee. Now, they'll sell you a great big, huge mug to pour it into <laughs> for your refills. 
it's horrible. Um, not, and it's not nearly enough caffeine. So that's one of the things that was culture shock. And also, and I'm sure you could relate to this because I have seen some of the amazing things that you managed to make. I've been, I've been watching like what your photos and recipes and what you did. I've been watching it for a couple of years and I'm like, and I even shared it with my husband. I was like, look at what this guy is doing, like in his refrigerator and on the stovetop in his truck. That's amazing. There's um, so few opportunities to really get quality food, right? And so I was really impressed with how you thought that through and made that happen. Um, it's people think, oh, you know, like great donuts and diners, right? And it gets really old. Um, eating out of commercial kitchens all the time. It's not a treat anymore. And I think those two things, just like living your life in a sustainable way so that you don't feel sluggish all the time. There's a lot of sitting that happens. And that's really, um, that's really hard on your body. And I think sleeping in bunks is a really weird thing to get used to. Sleeping at truck stops is kind of like going to bed in a motel where everybody brings their own room. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody, That's a good way to put it. Everybody's from somewhere, but nobody's from anywhere. And I just learned to appreciate everything. You know, I learned to appreciate the people who were there t- to make and sell me the lousy coffee because they're still yeah. there dealing with everybody who comes and goes. I just learned to appreciate everything, but it, it also literally the ground was moving under me a lot. Yeah. And I imagine the people that you were coming in contact was a with was really different from <laughs> your your Microsoft days, and because uh, I one one thing I could say about the driving community in general is different is a good term to use. There are one so many backgrounds yes. that are there, and then two uh, for some people I think the isolation does something to them i don't know yeah it can make them a little squirrely it's true yeah 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 so you see a lot of people with companion animals yes and that's actually how we ended up adopting our dog was there was a guy driving around like you know he had he had puppies and so um i agree with you I, i think i was less um taken aback by that i think mainly because I think my own story and the people that I grew up with and my own, like, and the people that I've worked with over the years, I didn't really come from an ivory tower. I work, it's been a mad mix of characters in my own life, right? So I really wasn't too clutching my pearls over the folks that I met there in the truck stop um, or other truckers. And I also found it interesting, um, exactly what you said, that there was such a variety of backgrounds. You cannot assume anything. I think that's true for land dwellers too, not just truck drivers. Um, you can't assume anything by how someone looks, right? There are people there with um, who might have PhDs in something. There yeah. are people who used to be uh, financial investment advisors. There's um, And there's people there who like, um, they just don't want to be tied down. And there's other people who like, this is their this is still an industry where things are where drivers are needed and you can get employment even if you can't anywhere else there's all kinds of reasons oh yeah in any case they're always needed with the truck it, it's different when you're 
driving with a partner in the truck, if you're team mm-hmm. driving or a student yeah. or, or for people, that, but in generally there's, even if we are with someone, that person, when they're driving, they're focused on driving. So yeah. there's a lot of solitude. Yes. So this for most creatives, this is what most creatives thrive on is this solitude of being able to do things. So how did writing in the truck affect or enhance or, or, or allow your writing to evolve to one way or another? That's an interesting question. It really was an interesting, um, it affected my process, I think, most. The way, and always the way I've written has been in spurts of kind of brain dump and then go back and edit and add the transitions and smooth it out. What I ended up doing is sort of capturing things in the moment on my notes app on my phone. And it was very much in the moment. And I didn't try to do all of the writing in the moment, but I captured the moments. I made sure to stop and be in the moment. Same with photography. I just, I would take all the shots and then I'd go back later and sort it out. Um, And so now, I mean, when I, I probably had 30,000 shots um, after six months and I had just a ton of notes. So, um, and now, and I still, now I do most of my writing on my phone app. And then when I'm pretty much ready to polish it up, I move it over to my laptop and do my, the rest of my thing. Which is cool. really, which is very strange because some of my pieces are quite long. And so <laughs> it's kind of a quirky way to do it. But I would say that the the way that the truck most affected my writing is just that it's kind of incredible that I do most of it on my phone. But, you know, it's kind of a cool perspective to have because most people think of a writer, they're thinking of the guy sitting down in the Starbucks coffee shop with his laptop and his headphones on. And he's, you know, he's getting inspiration and he's got to have this equipment or, you know, the guy that's anchored to this classic antique typewriter they bought and you're writing books on your phone. And this is this shows an adaptability to the situation. And that's pretty amazing. Thank you. I didn't think of it that way, but I appreciate you saying that. Um, I think for me, it has been a relief, quite frankly, because I tend to have 37 things going on in my head at the same time, if not more. And so it's very freeing to just be able to pick it up, jot it down, um, because sometimes a whole paragraph comes to me all at the same time, and sometimes it doesn't. And if I'm on a roll, I can really go. And if I'm not, I can set it down. I never know when it's going to happen. And I might not have my laptop, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to have my phone. And also that, but the solitude also was, um, that you mentioned, was definitely a huge, huge, huge factor. I would not have, I would not have done that if I had stayed in my house in Seattle. I didn't. I was in my house in Seattle a long time. I didn't do it. Right. On the flip side of the solitude. Um, Sunny D and I were together 24 hours a day and we are now too. (laughs) Um, and that could have, that, that was a test that could make or break a relationship. Yeah. I had a, uh, I, for a while I drove with students and I had my first student who was my best student sat in the truck one day and he was an ex con great guy. And he's looking around the truck one day. We both had our coffees because I made my coffee in the truck because truck stop coffee, as we talked about. <laughs> and, uh, I, 
I had made our coffee and he's sitting in the truck. We're getting ready to go. And we had done the pre-trip and everything like that. And we were just having to log in our half hour for the pre-trip. And he's looking around the truck and he's looking at me. He's looking around the truck and he's looking at me. And I'm like, okay, Greg, what is it? He goes, you know, yo, when I was locked up, they said it was cruel and unusual punishment to put us in a, two of us in a room twice this big. So it's definitely, it's definitely can uh, put some stressors in any relationship yeah. to be that tight quarters for almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because you don't have weekends. Most drivers don't. That's, that definitely had to be the, uh, the forge that really forged, you know, got your guys' relationship solid. Yeah, um, because I did that like right around our first year anniversary. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It t- it's, I don't want to call it a test, but it really, I mean, I didn't do it to be a test, but it, it turns out that way, right? Yeah. Um, but there's something kind of awesome about having seen your person at their worst and at their best. There's, a, uh, there's certainly a vulnerability to it. And it's it's really an an honor, right? Because you're really being trusted with someone showing you that um, when they might not be <laughs> at their like feeling their most evolved self, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. You know. Um, but that um, the reason I even did that was that I decided um, that I was going to when when I. Met Sunny D. I realized, you know, it wasn't that I, I didn't change my life for him. I didn't upend it all for a guy. Um, but what I realized was that threw into sort of high relief, put a spotlight on, on the things that really weren't working that well. It's not that I didn't know it before, but now here's this like high beam, happy, wonderfulness. I was like, you know what? I need to release from my life everything that isn't shining as brightly as this new partnership. Some of that was hard to let go of, but needed to be let go of. So, I mean, this is a challenging thing for anybody to do to, to go outside of your comfort zone. It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely something I still struggle with every day, but we get used to our ritual and our routine yep. to the point where that's what we embrace. Mm-hmm. What was the mindset that, that really kind of pushed you in? I mean, what was, did you have like an identifying moment that just was like, okay, this is it? Yeah, I did. Um, for a long time, I wanted to change everything without changing anything. Um, I felt for a number of years, it was like hearing a phone ringing in the distance, but I couldn't figure out where it was to answer the call. And I'd even had this experience back in 2006. I went to this um, career development workshop. It was like a whole weekend. It was this fancy hotel in downtown Seattle and several days. And I had all these great ideas all this stuff I was going to do. I knew then what I was going to do. On one of the nights I was woken, I I was awakened out of like a deep sleep by this loud voice that said, stop doing work you hate for people you don't trust. And I looked around the room and I'm like all by myself in the room. Right. That was, I mean, that was a clairaudient experience and I wasn't scared, but I was like, is this really, this is it. This is what you guys got to tell me. (laughs) I felt I need I need to do something 
But, you know, in the end, Yogi, I didn't do anything about it then because I didn't have um, I didn't have any peers who were doing the same thing. And I just I was too I was too scared. I didn't really have any support for that. It didn't seem practical. Um, it was a big dream. Like you said, we get so ingrained in our routines. Like, how does this even work? It was so far outside of anything I knew. Um, I didn't have anyone saying, and you can do it. Right. So down the down the road, I was just becoming more and more, I think, mentally exhausted. I think I just wasn't feeling, you know, what I want is to um, feel that sense of extreme serenity and vitality and sort of calm trust that I'm moving in the right direction. And that's what I want for everybody, everybody and everyone I serve, all of my clients, that's what I want. And I wasn't having that. I, I just, it wasn't happening for me. My defining moment when I finally did it, because what was happening was, I believe we get signs. I was asking for signs and then I was doing what a lot of people do. I was getting the signs, but then I'm like, no, I want a different sign. I want one that I like. I want one that's better looking. I want one that's clearer, different words, whatever. What I kept doing was trying to hold it together. Cause like I said, I didn't want to change anything, although I wanted everything to change. And so what was happening was things were falling apart in ways that I couldn't hold them together. Right. So I wasn't getting my next gig together. Like at that time I was a contract. I was a consultant at Microsoft. Um, the contracts weren't lining up and, and there were um, like financially, I was just really in a uh, spot, different relationships were going different ways. And so all of these things were conspiring so that all of science were pointing toward the exit as much as I was trying to will them to stay together. And so finally, I just, I remember one day standing in my kitchen that I'd been, I'd known this kitchen since I was born, basically. <laughs> it had never before occurred to me to sell this house. It was everything that kept me there. And I just said, what if I sold the house? And it was like the sun came out and the weight lifted. That was it. The moment I said, what if it all shifted? I'm not going to tell you it was easy. There were there was a lot, a lot of logistics, but also just a lot of emotions and a lot of stuff to dig through. It was absolutely the right thing. It was absolutely necessary. I would never be doing what I'm doing now if I hadn't done that. That is an amazing step. And it takes a lot of courage to move out of your comfort zone and move out of things because you... Your comfort zone could be someplace that is completely unhealthy with you for you, but oh, yeah. you're comfortable there, you know, but yes. things aren't going to, you're, you're not getting what you really need. You're not getting, you're not really happy. You're not really thinking, but you're comfortable. Exactly. So, Cause you know it. Right. You know it. Yeah. It, it's, it's similar to the mentality of people who are in abusive relationships who keep mm -hmm. going back to the abuser, you know, mm -hmm. it, and, and in a way, your relationship with life can be abusive if you allow it, if you stick yourself in a rut where you're not going anywhere and you don't do anything to change it. Yep. Other well, than yeah. Wish. yeah. And that, um, it's, it's so interesting. You chose that analogy because that was often how I thought of it. Right. Cause I would, I would leave and come back and leave and come back from these different roles. And I wanted to do something different, but then I would go back and there was always a honeymoon period, right? It's going to be different this time. It was never different. Now here's the kicker. It wasn't about the company. 
it wasn't ever about the company. It was about me, right? Um, the company is what it is, right? Um, and I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for years of, you know, it meeting a need in my life. Um, I am grateful for the experience I gained there. I'm, I am grateful for the people I met there, for goodness sake. I mean, and what's funny is I have so many dear friends from that, from there who I either didn't actually work directly with, or I worked with only briefly, like Gary and I were only on the same team for just a hot minute. They're still in my life all these years later. Right. So there are lots of gifts that came out of it. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't about the company but what I was doing is I was not choosing myself first, right? right? So whether it was the company or another person or whatever, I wasn't prioritizing myself first. I think that one of the things that happens for folks, it was happening for me anyway, is that when we make changes later, it starts to feel like I have so much invested here. How can I step out? without losing all that I've invested and not just money, but time, the years, all of that. How can I, like, I don't think I could stand it if I thought any of the time I'd invested was a waste of time. And yet I knew that I had done everything that I was supposed to do and it still wasn't working. So I had to do something as it turned out, all of that experience, all those years was preparing me to do exactly what I do now. So it's, it's been an interesting, an interesting working out for sure. I don't know that you ever, for a long time, I kept expecting that the, like, there would be a time when I would just never be afraid. And what I have learned is that sometimes you just have to do it scared. That's yes. the facts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. agree. Yeah. So this whole experience is not only was it a risk going in there, but it, it changed your art it changed how you you view things you had planned to write a certain way a certain style and now it's it's altered so tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing what your your current books are your blog is about so i am working on a first draft of a book that's not that's not coming out anytime in the nearest future um I am starting a podcast of my own, which I'm quite excited about. I do have an online community, um, a free Facebook group called Aline Ray's Soul Spot Lounge. And we hang out in there. And it's for high performers, impactors, and leaders um, who are in life reevaluation, <laughs> transition, or just need some inspiration. So a lot of times it's hard to find peers, right? And so this group is a soft place to land and to come in and sort of get what you need, sort of an oasis so that you can restore yourself, renew yourself and get what you need so that you can go back out in the world and do what you do and shine. It's ridiculous to think that people who are leading and performing at a really high level can just do that all the time and that it's sustainable without ever pausing to um, receive. A lot of us are really good at give, 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 giving, but we never ask or receive. So that group is important to me. And I'm actually um, 
getting ready to ramp it up again in a much larger way. So there's that. I am also doing client work. I'm working with folks um, mainly one-on-one right now, but I will also have a group um, program in the new year as well. Very cool. Yes. And you, you're and very, I'm here, and that's really yeah. cool too. <laughs> and you're you're kind of helping. Well, you are helping people do that type of uh, unique, unknown, scary transition that you went through, and and we know just from stories that in the corporate world, the high performer world, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of pressure. And often as a result, there could be a lot of substance abuse. There could be a lot of abuse at home. There's a, you know, because that stress goes somewhere. Mm -hmm. So like you said, this isn't sustainable for a lot of people and there there needs to be a, a pathway out, but people are scared to take that pathway without, you know, going full inside baseball, but what are some things, how, how do you work with people to, to, to get them on the right spirit to chase their passion? That's such a good question. Well, I'll tell you just straight away in my own experience, I have a list of about six things that I used to anesthetize the pain of not following my calling. And the top three were overwork and alcohol and food. Uh, And I have also, uh, I've struggled with depression and anxiety a good portion of my life. So that's something that I just share with folks up front. This just seems like a very organic place to share it. I'm not ashamed of it and I'm not proud of it. It just is. And so the self-medicating, the sort of coping stuff, it's real. Right. And and it gets into being like um, it's sort of like the person who should be getting the comfort or the reward is actually getting punished. Right. It's like the the um, the relief is actually painful. And so I was able to heal myself. I never thought that would ever happen because I really felt like I was so broken it would just be the work of a lifetime. That's why I came to the planet was to heal. But as I kept showing up and doing my work, it's like, oh, I'm healed. Okay, well, that's not the end of the journey. It's only the beginning. Now I'm going to share how I did it. The first thing I do with folks is to get clear about their values. That's the first thing that we work on. Because if you don't know what you value, it's really hard to figure out what you want and start making intentional actionable progress towards it. And it turns out that a lot of us just don't know. Looking back, I think it's easy for me to see that I had the same values, right? The things I I said I valued, but I wasn't prioritizing myself first. I was um, not prioritizing those values as um, as my compass and my guide. And so once I was able to identify my core values, and then those are the meter for everything, for me to, for everything in my life and livelihood, so that when, so that my yes can mean yes, and my no can mean no, that I'm not saying yes, when what I really mean is, I'm not saying maybe when what I really mean is no. And I think a lot of us do that, right? Just to like, I don't want to say the bad thing, but it's like, we carry all this extra weight 
because of what people will think of us. We think they'll think of us. Initially, it's about just giving permission, right? Just exhale and give ourselves permission to make this journey, make this work about you. It's not about anybody else. This is your time. That's really cool. And to take stock in your values, you know, I imagine it, it's a pretty often case where people do look at their values and then look at the position and the career path they're in and how at odds with their values they are. If they value yeah. family and they're spending 12, 13 hours away, a day away from their family, only coming home to sleep and they're not spending any time with their family. Or if they're prioritizing it, you know, one of their priorities is travel, but yet all they do is work. Yes, that's totally it. And I think, I think one of the things that people do also, well, I know one of the things I do, I've done it, is we don't course correct, right? Um, often we don't. Because if we, it's like we start out with good intentions. It's incremental often the way we get off course. It's like, okay, and well, they gave me a nice raise here. And then, you know, it's like, okay. And then you get it house or you, you know, buy a car and it's, you have kids. I mean, I don't have any kids, but you know, I mean, people just sort of start living life, you know, and okay, maybe you want a few toys for yourself, right? I get that. It just sort of starts to roll over you. And then one day you're like, hey, wait a minute, this feels not right. Is there more here? Realizing that, you know, it's not doing it very intentionally at all. I still don't always make like the best life choices, right? But now I'm aware of my motive, my intention, and it just makes it easier to course correct. It doesn't have to get so far down the road because it's a lot like being carried out to sea. And then like, how do you find your way back? People who go their life and they feel like this hole that they're not pursuing and stuff, it often results in uh some pretty negative outcomes in their life if they're if they're working in some place where they don't love where they're being being around some of the areas I've seen I've seen people in in some of the career paths that I've taken that focused on work entirely until the apocalypse basically happened in their life that they they created what are you know what are some signs that you're heading down that path that you're 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 not taking care of yourself you're not uh you, you are going at odds with your principles. What are some signs that you're heading to that burnout level that or that overstress level? Oh, there are several. I'm thinking of how I felt. One of them right away is just dread. Dread of the day. <laughs> Waking up and just not wanting to get up at all. Stress in traffic. Stress getting to work. We're not really dealing with that right now so much um or we could be dealing with it even more because i think people like if people are do have to go into a workplace right like healthcare workers and mm -hmm. um all these businesses opening up again right there's a lot of stress associated with that it's so dread i also pay attention to physical signs it's um it may seem like things are unrelated but heart palpitations, a stomach ache, a headache. The physical signs are usually the last thing and your body's trying to tell you something. So I try to stop and ask what, you know, what's going on. A lot of times all of those things are related. 
I am in no way a physician and I have no training in that area. I'm only saying what, in my experience, I have found that often those things are related. Um, At one point, I broke out from head to toe with a rash that went (laughs) all over my body down to my, it wasn't funny, it was really painful, down to my fingertips and all the way down to my feet. Well, that was like the last resort. That was my body saying, I I can't take it anymore. That was my autoimmune system saying, I'm done. You've done everything to me. I also think just the thing of like not being able to let it go, needing to keep talking about whatever the injustice of the day or the moment or that person, the obsessiveness, those are some signs. Everybody's got their own stuff, but those are some, a few signs I think of, of burnout. Some people like to, some people like check out too, basically like sleeping a lot. And then, you know, there's also, and then there's also like all the, then you don't necessarily have to be an alcoholic to drink a lot. Okay. But when you find yourself checking out, like not intentionally setting out to do something playful, but I need to avoid. Yeah, I, I, I worked in a high stress, well, I've worked in several high stress industries, but one of the highest stress industries I worked in was actually group homes for at-risk kids, domestic violence, yeah. sexual assault shelters. Yeah. And I I had a lot, I, I take, going through mentally right now, and I'm ticking a lot of those boxes, right, when I worked in that field uh, of the stress levels of how it was getting to me. I didn't necessarily have a lot of the physical manifestations other than the fact of weight gain and things from stress, but the sleeping, the, all that. When you're hitting this level, what is something besides taking stock of your values, but what is something that you can you can do to help identify a new path to take and, and, and jump for it? So I try to keep, I try to keep it so simple. (laughs) That's good. I have to, because I can overcomplicate stuff in my mind in a minute. So I have to keep it simple. And usually I have never regretted taking a moment to take a deep breath, exhale completely and ask myself, what do I need right now? And that can be as simple as I need a snack and a nap. I'm serious, right? Because the other thing that I I check is halt. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Sometimes, or am I thirsty, right? So if I'm feeling some type of way, a lot of times I can knock the whole thing out just by having a snack, drinking some water, and taking a nap. And then I'm in a much better frame of mind to even deal with it. I think a lot of times we simply don't care for ourselves. For example, I don't know if people are still like this. They probably are. Um, but when I first started my career, because I learned it and just did it for years and years, and I'm thinking of it now because my body is um, paying the price. There's a saying that the body keeps the score, right? So when um, I started my career, our habit was like whatever it was that was happening, you do the opposite. So if you're hungry, you wait to eat. If you're tired, you just keep going. You don't go to sleep. If you have to go to the bathroom, you hold it, right? So just those kinds of basic things of taking care of yourself, pausing and doing that with kindness, being patient with yourself and actually treating yourself the way you would treat another person. That right there, that right there is a starting place for your soul to actually maybe believe that you're ready to listen for what it wants. Very cool. For real. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, these, these are all, 
simple yet challenging things to take stock into. Simple is so, not easy. <laughs> yeah, it's any kind of self-introspection is, is never an easy thing to do. And it's something yeah. I think we all struggle with on daily. We are going to be closing out because it's been mm. about an hour. And uh, I think this was a fantastic conversation. Definitely a unique mm -hmm. story. But I want people to know where they can find you and your different resources with your blog and everything like that. And I know you're changing things around right now. Where are the standard areas where people are going to be able to find you? Um, you can drop in at aleenray.com. That will have all of the main contact points. A-I-L-E-E-N-R-A-E.com. All of the points. If you just want to stop by and say hi on Instagram, it's the real Aline Ray. Awesome. Yeah. All right, everybody. This has been an episode of the Fatty Joe Show with Eileen Ray. We are a listener-supported podcast, so if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash the Fatty Joe Show and become a patron. If that's not something that you can do right now, please leave a comment down below, like, and subscribe to the show, and that helps us get out to more people. Eileen, it has been definitely a pleasure to have you on the show. I've, I've been totally enjoying listening to this conversation and giving me a little flashbacks of the truck was as well. Um, <laughs> and, and, and a little bit of the gratefulness that I'm not on the truck anymore, you know, so because I'm remembering some of the cool stuff, but like we talked about earlier, you know, the whole like, oh, that place looks so cool. I want to go check it out. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> you know, like that type of thing. As you drive by these really cool places and don't get to really see them, you know, so it's... Oh my it's, goodness. <laughs> you know, you. it's... <laughs> yeah. So is Sonny D still on the road? Absolutely not. He, oh, uh, cool. Yeah, no, he hasn't been on the road for... Uh, two, two plus years. Yeah. Nice. We're still together about a hundred percent of the time now and eh, 95%, but yeah, no, That's not cool. that anymore. And, um, he's, he is handling our videography production house side of the business. He is, I'm seeing a lot of correlation. Yeah. <laughs> he's working. He's working. Yeah. We decided we would just do video production. Um, he's, um, he is working on getting our jewelry business fired up. He is, and he's uh, working on his own, his own music because he's a professional musician as well. He has the, he has a resume that is interesting like yours. That would be an interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but no, he's not on the road and I am so glad we both are just like, thank you for all that helped us do. We couldn't yeah. have done it without that. So grateful and so grateful to say goodbye. Doing it. <laughs> yeah. I thank you for this conversation. It has just been a pleasure and an honor. And I'm just, it was a oh, delight. Before you go, do you have a name for your podcast yet? It is Aline Ray's Soul Spa Lounge. Same name as right. my, um, my Facebook community. Yeah. Thank nice. you. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so be sure to look out for for Eileen Ray's Soul Spot Soul Spa Lounge. Soul mm -hmm. Spot Lounge. Okay. Yep. So Perfect. be on the lookout for Eileen Ray's Soul Spa Lounge Same. coming to podcast catchers everywhere. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Fatty Joe show. 
Be sure to leave a comment and subscribe. It helps the show reach more people. To support the show, as well as Carrie Brown and Yogi's work on the blog, Keto Recipe Development, Masterclasses, and to gain access to private Facebook groups and other awards, go to patreon.com slash Show or patreon.com slash Brown. Also, check out our Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker YouTube channel for video versions of The Fatty Joe Show, recipe videos, and more. Join our awesome community on the Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen with Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker, and check out our CarrieBrown.com website for recipes, blog posts, discounts, cookbooks, masterclasses, and other great stuff. Thank you so much.